Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Sean McVay mentioned he really wanted to have this process, and particularly this time of year, be collaborative. What has that been like so far, and um, what are some progress points that you can see tangibly happening in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a great process so far. Obviously, um, we're a little bit limited at certain points during the offseason in our ability to communicate when it comes to football and all that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think. He understands that I've been, you know, in four different offenses with a bunch of different coordinators and seen a lot of different football. And, and um, you know, he's been around a while, too. So uh, it's been nice being able to talk ball, um, you know, and it can be the simplest things of an individual route on a play or it's a full play concept or it's a half field read or whatever it is. Um, there's things that I've done in the past that I think, um, you know, make sense to him and, and make sense for our offense. There's also things that. Uh, you know, I've never been exposed to that are in this offense that I'm trying to learn and make uh, second nature to myself as well. So um, it's been fun. We've been able to kind of bounce ideas back and forth off of each other, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure out what this thing looks like, you know, come August, September. You know, if we'd have seen that clip two years ago, we'd have lost our minds. First of all, that was before the Rams completely did whatever they did to their uniform and their logo and their look. We would have been, we, we would have thought we were on a different planet. And then to see Matthew Stafford in that setting, it's just incomprehensible. But that's where we are. Stafford with the new look Rams, like it or not, not for me. And uh, we may like the result because he's definitely an upgrade over Jared Goff. That's what the defensive lineman said. I think it was Brockers. It was, was Brockers? Michael Brockers. Who yeah. ended up getting traded, getting yeah, traded right. <laughs> to the Lions. Oh, hi, after Jared. That. Good to hi, see Jared. you, Jared. Oh, that stuff I said, and I'd just be trying to be a good teammate. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you say things like that. By the way, you're a great quarterback. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, I, I mean, listen, we, we know it's an upgrade. Everybody in football knows it's an upgrade. I'm, I'm rooting for the, the Rams in a, in a way, really, because – yeah, I want to see the the haters of the Matthew Stafford universe, you know, be put into place a little bit. Because, uh, again, I, I think you and I have discussed this a lot since we've known each other. He's really talented. He's a lot better than what people think, you know, and he's been stu- stuck up there in crapola for, for a long time. So now he's got some some players and some coaches around him, and 
that's let's see what they can do. But they have not had a quarterback like this that's got this type of arm, this type of explosive uh, just mindset as far as dropping back to pass and looking to torch you. And then you talk McVay's genius off of that and all of those type of things. I mean, it could be a special combination. I'm expecting it to be really damn good and a lot of fun to watch, especially because they got some studs and some stars around him too. So that's going to make things fun to watch too. I recall that when you did your first top 40 uh-huh. list, when we were together, Stafford was number three. He was up there. He now was... he's fallen since then, but right. you had him at number three. So what can a guy like McVay, yeah. who's been working with Jared Goff the entire time he's been a, a head coach, what can he learn from a guy like Matthew Stafford, who's been around, uh, you know, twelve years now in the NFL. Yeah, well, I, you know, again, I th- McVay is awesome in the fact that he's a listener. That's why he's a great coach. He listens. He communicates. I bet you Stafford's going to be able to bring some some passing drop back concepts to the offense, and he's going to teach Sean McVay how he read it and things like that. And McVay's going to go. I, I like that. I can get behind that. I've, I've never really learned it that way or done that play. I always wondered how that was coached exactly. So I do think there's going to be elements to where he'll bring to the offense that we haven't seen the Rams do with Jared Goff because Matt Stafford's just going to go, hey, look, this has worked really well for me for five, ten years, whatever, a little bit like we saw Brady do some of that with Tampa Bay. And then, of course, the, the real exciting part is the opposite side of that, the play actions, the boots and how great McVay is at doing that and the up-tempo offense. But then he's got a great feel of dialing up big plays from time to time. And now he's just got a blank canvas just to draw people going everywhere and just, hey, this guy can fade this way and throw it that way and do, do anything. He can do anything on the football field. It's one of the greatest arms in the history of the sport. So that's where it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah, and uh, look, I, I think the general consensus is the Rams have the chance to be – Nothing against Jared Goff, but dramatically better with Matthew Stafford. And this is going to be a great litmus test, both as it relates to the Lions and as it relates to the Rams and the two quarterbacks. Will the Rams be dramatically better with Stafford? Let's look at the help that Matthew Stafford has around him. He hasn't had much help historically in his career, although there was a time he had Ndamukong Sue and he had Calvin Johnson, and uh, they still didn't do all that much. No. Running back, Malcolm Brown's out. Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson are there. Akers, a rookie last year, emerged as the guy, and Sean McVay has said things suggesting that he can be the every down. I I think they're done with the the three-headed monster, and I think they're ready to try to get back to having a Todd Gurley type of a presence, and they're going to give Akers every chance to be that guy, Chris. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, when you have a stud, and Akers, I think, is on the edge of being like a real, real stud, you know, you do them a disservice at times by doing running back by committee. Because really, they're better as they play and they get in the flow of the game and get a feel for the cutback lanes and things like that. So they got a guy that I think is a borderline superstar type talent at tailback. And I think McVay probably recognizes that and goes, you know what? We're going to give him his touches. I'm not going to like waste a, a play where it could have been an 80-yard touchdown just because I'm going to go the committee approach. But damn, those are two good running backs. Henderson's real damn good too. Fits what they want to do. Inside, outside zone, good good pass catchers out of the backfield. That's a pretty strong one-two tandem there. But, you know, you said it. Akers is, Akers is the real deal. And then at the receiver position, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are the holdovers. They really didn't have a replacement for Brandon Cooks last year. Now they have Deshaun Jackson. If he can stay healthy, great. 
The question is, can he stay healthy? And then they have the 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 young version of Deshaun Jackson yeah, and right. Tutu Atwell, who they drafted with their first pick this year, even though their first pick came late in the draft because they keep trading their first rounders. Van Jefferson also on the roster. What what do you make of the Rams receiving core right now? Real strong. I mean, I think it's a real strong group right there. You got a little bit of everything. First off, Cup and Woods are not superstar receivers. They're not maybe top 10 receivers in football, but they both might be somewhere between 10 and 20 and can do everything. Like can beat you deep, can run the Julian Edelman underneath routes, make plays after the catch, get yards that way. You know, they're tough. They block. Like, that's where the beauty is of those two receivers. Cup and Woods are interchangeable, and you can't pin either one to, like, a certain role. And to me, that makes, you know, certain offenses really good. But now you add the Deshaun Jackson, Tutu Atwell aspect of it. Wow. I mean, Tutu Atwell's got three rockets up his butt, just like Deshaun Jackson used to have. I'm going to say he's got two and a half now at his older age. But either way, that's going to add another dynamic too and fits really well with your quarterback who can launch it as good as anybody we've seen in football history. So that's where they're going to be able to put you in a bind. You know, think about it this way. It's, you know, they could have Deshaun Jackson here in a tight split and Robert Woods here and Tutu Atwell, the, the, the guy with three rockets up his butt, he could be that fake speed sweep guy. So now you're giving him the ball and you're worried about going sideline to sideline and there's Cam Akers. Oh, wait, Stafford kept the ball off of play action. And now Deshaun Jackson, we were so worried sideline to sideline, he's flying down the middle for an 80-yard touchdown. That's where I think the beauty of their little wide receiver unit can really be in McVay's formula. Yeah, and, and I think this is the kind of thing that can maybe reinvigorate McVay. Maybe things were getting a little stale, even I, though they right. made it to the right. final eight last year, right? They beat the Seahawks in a playoff game in Seattle, which in and of itself is impressive. But there's just been kind of this sense that the Rams have been in a funk ever since they lost in the Super Bowl to the Patriots. Not that that's an uncommon reality. I think a lot of teams that get to the Super Bowl and lose to the Patriots have, you know, uh, struggles getting over it, especially when it felt like a game that the Rams could have won. This is kind of the reset that I think Sean McVay needed. You know, you, you get some speed back in the receiving core. You replace your quarterback with a guy that you think can get it done. And uh, this would be one of the all-time fascinating stories. In, in recent NFL history, if a guy who was mired in crapola, as you said, right. with the Detroit Lions, could go to L.A. and all of a sudden have this second act. Rich Gannon recently told, I think, Sam Farmer, the L.A. Times, that he sees this I, I as saw like a Gannon and John Gruden pairing late in Gannon's career. Not that Gannon was ever Matthew Stafford before, but Gannon became an MVP once he hooked up with John Gruden. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited like that. I saw Rich say that. I mean, that was a, a, a great compliment. And yeah. I mean, look what it did for Rich Gannon to get with a, you know, boy genius. You know, that's what Gruden was at that time. And we know that's what we talk about McVay that way. I, I, Mike, I think you're, you're spot on there, though. I think kind of that new blood and the new quarterback is going to, like, you know, get the juices flowing for McVay. Oh, wait, I could do this and I can do that. And, oh, wait, Deshaun Jackson. I haven't had a guy that can really run and take the top off a defense like that in a long time. You know, I, I, the Rams – they, they, listen, they're, they're like Hollywood. They're, they're, they're star-studded. They're star-studded. You know, but like Hollywood, people, they can be a little shallow at times, and that's where their team is too. And I'm saying that jokingly. You know that's kind of the like. But, yeah, that, that's the only thing I worry about with the Rams and their team as we go through here. It, it's, it's a very 
top-ended roster. It's the only thing I worry about with the Rams. A few injuries, and I think it could really change their football team. We know they've made all these demands for stars and trades and traded draft picks and everything like that. And because of that, yeah, a lot of their salary cap is tied up into just a few guys. There's not a lot of depth on this football team, and I think that's the scariest aspect for them. And here's the other reality. You know, in L.A., the B-side to the record or the second movie on the double feature at the drive-in, there's a chance it's going to be better than the main attraction. They got to worry about the Chargers. Not in the same conference. They only play once every four years in games that count, but the Chargers are on the rise, and if the Rams don't get better, they're going to have to be very concerned about being second fiddle in their own stadium. Offensive line. Yeah. Andrew Whitworth, David Edwards, Brian Allen, Austin Corbett, Rob Havenstein, side to side. You know, Whitworth just keeps going. At some point, they got to have a post-Whitworth plan, but he keeps going. Where is that offensive line? And they got to keep Stafford healthy. I know. Middle of the road, probably even below, like, a little bit of the middle of the pack, in my opinion. You know, the Rams have taken the approach of, like, we're going to get stars at the other position, and I think they go McVay and his offense and his coaching, they'll protect and make our average to below average offensive line look a little better than they actually are. They've kind of taken that angle. That's what they are. They haven't spent great money or resources on offensive line play because I think McVay looks at it and goes, wait, I know how to coach the run game. I can keep people off my stuff with the fake speed sweeps and all the misdirection we do. So I don't want to pay offensive linemen, you know, $15 million, $20 million a year. That's the approach they've taken. They kind of do it with their system and McVay's coaching. It's a solid group, but in, in my eyes, certainly not a special group by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and that, that's really the concern. We, hey, we spend seven months talking about possibilities and the glasses are all half full. Then you start playing and injuries impact a team. And one way to get a quarterback injured is to have a crappy offensive line. One way to get a quarterback injured is to have Aaron Donald chasing the quarterback around. He's still the greatest in the game. What do we think of the front seven, though, now with Donald, Leonard Floyd, Sean Robinson still there, Sebastian Joseph Day, and others where, where is that? Is it just the presence of Aaron Donald makes it great regardless of who else is there? Well, it, it definitely brings it to another level. You're, you're right about that. I mean, he's, you know, we, you, you had that article on PFT this week. He's the best corner in football because he puts so yeah. much pressure on the quarterback, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's a first hall, ballot Hall of Famer. We're looking at LT, Reggie White, you name Ray Lewis. This is Aaron Donald. He's one of the greatest defensive players in the history of football. There's no, let's just all take it in and enjoy it. That's the, He is one of the greatest of all time. That's what he is. And, yeah, he is the jump-off point. The D-line, I think, is pretty damn good. I mean, Leonard Floyd, you know me. I got a man crush on him. I think he's awesome on the edge. Sean Robinson can be a beast in the middle. They got to find that other guy that comes off the edge. I don't know if that's last year's fourth-round pick, Terrell Lewis, who I loved out of Alabama. He's kind of a first-round talent, Mike, that had like a knee issue. Maybe he comes in and adds to the pass rush. That's where they got to have to figure this out. It's going to be interesting, too. You know, Raheem Morris there is the D coordinator, right? So it's definitely a different scheme than Brandon Staley. And now they're going to be running a little bit more Seattle scheme, which, you know, it's funny. The NFC West has got three teams running the same defensive system, basically. I am kind of, like, uh, just excited to see how that plays out. But the defense is star-studded. But just like we kind of talked about, Man, one or two injuries would scare the hell out of me. It's young and unproven in some other areas, and that's where we'll see if they can dodge the bullet that way. A lot of eggs in a couple of baskets between Donald on the front seven and Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. They used that first-round 
restricted free agency tender to keep Darius Williams around. They didn't need to. They could have gone with a second rounder, but it shows they like him. They believe in him. Yep. They may not be able to pay him next year because of Ramsey, a guy they gave up two first-round picks for. Look, they've been a team, not bashful about giving up first-round picks to get established veterans. But if those veterans get hurt, where's your depth? I think that's a concern both sides of the ball, exactly. really, for the Rams, but yeah. especially on defense. Especially on defense. Yeah, I mean, you said it. You take Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, holy crap. That's that's a lot of damn money for three guys. Yeah, the rest of the team is, yeah, younger guys, you know, guys who are still trying to prove that they're worthy of, you know, making a big money second-type contract, that type of stuff. They've done a great job of filling in those kind of areas with guys that are under the radar or late-round draft picks. That's really where they've saved their football team that way. Um, but, yeah, they're living dangerously. Like you said, it's it's one or two injuries, and all of a sudden you can go, this is the best defense in football, and now they're like the 20th best because those two guys are gone. And, you know, the Rams are in one of the toughest divisions in football. Cardinals, Seahawks, 49ers all have reason to be optimistic about this season. Um, but, I, you know, there are going to be people who, when it's time to make those preseason picks, they're going to look at the Rams. They're going to look at where they are. They're going to look at what we see in the preseason. Not that we see a lot of the playbook, but you get just a once you get comfortable, yeah. you get comfortable with Matthew Stafford in that funky helmet that the Rams now wear. You're going to have some people warming up to the idea of the Rams becoming the second team in consecutive years after 54 Super Bowls with no one playing in a Super Bowl in their home stadium. We could go two for two with the Buccaneers last year and the Rams this year. Wouldn't shock me. It really wouldn't. I mean, we, we know what they're capable of. I still think their defense, no matter what, with the coaching change, is going to be a top five defense as long as they stay healthy. You know, yeah, they lost Staley, but Raheem Morris is really damn good too and creative. He'll leave the boundaries of the Seattle scheme, and then, you know, we hit on the offense. We know there's talent, but now you got another schematical advantage there with Stafford and a new look that, you know, defenses in the NFC West are going to be like, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to attack us with Stafford. So they might be able to catch some people off guard early in the year too. Uh, wouldn't be shocking. I mean, their offense is going to improve. It's going to go from wherever it was last year to top 10-ish this year. Uh, I, I, that, that's how I feel about it, at least. Uh, you know, uh, I've, there's an intriguing wrinkle here as well. Because my next question for you is, which team in the division poses the greatest threat to the Rams? But you, you mentioned Raheem Morris a couple of times. His recent history has been intriguing. He's worked hand-in-hand hand with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. He's just back on defense recently. He was the yes. passing game coordinator in 2015 and 2016 with Kyle. The, uh, the um, receivers coach in 2016 with Kyle. That was the year they almost won the Super Bowl. They were up 28-3. to there, there's there's some intermingling of secrets there. Oh, definitely. They're going to come to a boil when those teams play each other twice this year. I'm glad you brought it up, Mike. A hundred percent. I would think it's part of the reason McVay brought him out there. Let's not forget McVay and Raheem Morris were also with Shanahan in Washington. So there is going to be knowledge of, oh, I remember Kyle likes to do this on this run play, or if we play this defense – they, they block it this way in the run game and do those things. It is going to be an advantage for the Rams and Morris, the fact that he's there and has direct knowledge of the Shanahan offense. So you're right. It adds to that dynamic. You know, that's why I picked that McVay-Shanahan. That's the playoff matchup I would like there because 
there's a lot of personal stuff there. It's really awesome. And the NFC West, I mean, between those two teams, the Cardinals got better. Seattle, we know, is going to be in the mix. I mean, damn, is that some division. I have a hard time. I, 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 last week I was going, eh, AFC North's the best division, and now we're talking about the NFC West right now. I'm going, no, nah, I think the NFC West is still the best. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's amazing that Raheem Morris hasn't gotten more serious consideration uh-huh. to be a coach again. He was too young when he got his first job. I don't think he was ready to be thrust into that role Agreed. in Tampa at age 32. He's had very diverse experience since then on both sides of the ball. How many times do you see a coach – that's been a high-level offensive coach, high-level defensive coach. Uh, so, somebody's going to end up with a hell of a head coach eventually, and Raheem Morris, who is only 44 years old, Chris. Yeah. No. He's going to get a second act I, somewhere, and I got a feeling he's going to be pretty damn good. I agree. Uh, too young, maybe. I was real close to Raheem when I was in Tampa. I mean, too young, but always knew he was going to be a rising star. And I, I, I'll say this, too. The Bucks did nothing to really help him when he took over for John Gruden. They spent no money. You know, that's the one thing I'll always remember is he got there. He coached the team. They did nothing. Greg Schiano took over, and they spent like $400 million that offseason. You know, not, you know, I'm joking, of course. But, yes, he's got a Mike Tomlin type of leadership, attitude, communication style, and I'm with you. If you made me bet money, I think Raheem Morris was great as a head coach last year for the Falcons and what he did there. I think the second time around is going to work and uh, will be a lot more successful than, than what he had in Tampa. Everything about the way that his arrival in Tampa went down had bad karma written all over it. They throw out Gruden and Bruce Allen. They give the jobs to Raheem Morris and Mark Dominic. Right. And it was clear that it was set up ahead of time, a palace coup type of a thing. It just, it was just, it was bad from the get go. And uh, I think second time around, and he was look, you're young and you're ambitious. You're not going to say no. Hey, you want to be the head coach? What do you say? No. Right. No. Right. I'm loyal to the guy that you're firing. No, I don't want to take over. Uh, But but I think 12 years later, with all the experience he's had since then, and what he's going to get this year with McVay, this guy's going to be ready when January rolls around, and somebody's going to get a pretty good head coach. All right, let's take a break. The Chris Sims. 2021 quarterback countdown continues next after this here on PFT Live. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Kirk Cousins has pushed himself to a higher level, and I think it's going to continue. Oh, baby, I can't believe I just saw you pick Kirk Cousins. 
I mean, the love-hate continues. I love him. He's your guy. Follow him. I love him not. Kirk Cousins is kind of a dork. I love him. I'll get Kirk Cousins tattooed left arm. I love him not. I don't like it at Kirk Cousins. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Hey, look, the Vikings knew what they were doing. We've talked about this. Kirk Cousins has the Vikings in a bind contractually. They need to protect themselves. They protected themselves in round three with a guy who comes in despite being taken two rounds behind Justin Fields and Trey Lance. He's ahead of them. Yeah. No surprise because Chris Sims had Kellen Mond ahead of both of those guys in his pre-draft rankings. Nothing should have changed since then. There's Kellen Mond at number 37. What are you thinking, Sims? And I need to be sure that everyone realizes that I had no role whatsoever in the influence of the placement of Kellen Mond at number 37. No, this is just, you know, two trains collided here. I love Kellen Mond, you love the Vikings, and they ended up on the same damn team. I don't know. But either way, yeah. I mean, Kellen Mond, it's the thing that jumped out to me. You could make the case, the argument, that Kellen Mond and Mac Jones were the two best in-the-pocket passing draftable college quarterbacks from this past draft. That's what I loved about him. I mean, he's made for the NFL as far as pocket passing is concerned. You know, we've talked about his arm. You see here, it's a really efficient release technique-wise. He never loses control of the ball. His whole career was in the pocket, NFL-type drop-back passing at Texas A&M with not a star-studded football team. And he thrived, thrived in decision-making, thrived in accuracy into tight windows as good as anybody in the draft. And, Mike, you know I'm big, too, unlike the other things we talked about a little yesterday. In the pocket, hey, unless you got, like, the best offensive line in football, the pocket's tight in the NFL. You feel like you're throwing from a phone booth when you first get in there. You know, you were on the the middle of a big prairie field in college football, and you get in the NFL, and you're like, whoa, everybody is really close to me, and they're big. And being able to throw in those those tight quarters like that are paramount to being successful, and that's where I'm excited about Mon because you see it over and over at Texas A&M. Now, the the little I remember about yeah. my years as a baseball fan is that the, the stance can look a little funky, the wind-up can look a little strange. It's not the wind-up when you're getting ready to hit, but yeah, yeah I got you. I got but you. It's, how the, it's how the bat comes through is what matters. Right. And for the best hitters, the bat always comes through the same way. It doesn't matter how it looked ahead of time, and I say that because – the, the throwing motion itself looks smooth, but it, it looks a little funky. He's got the double chicken wing with the elbows sticking out as he's setting up. Yes. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, no. I, you know, again, it, it, it doesn't look great, but it's not technically bad. In fact, it's like it's, it's almost technically perfect in a lot of ways. It's like school of coaching quarterback type of stuff you do. But what I want to be is like, hey, you're, you're good enough now, and you got the mechanic down to – the, to what you're saying, Mike, don't be so robotic. You know, be loose. Let it go a little bit, right? We saw Aaron Rodgers come out of green, uh, out of Cal, holding the ball up here and throwing the ball and being all tight like that. That's, I think, the next thing for Kellen Mond. You know, I, we talked about during the process. Get better a little bit of the backyard football aspect, scrambling, all those things, and be a little bit more loose. Let your arm go. He's got a really special arm. But the one thing he does do, Mike, is because he's so like that, 
he's very rarely out of position to throw the ball properly. Um, And he's aware of it. I think he is going to try to fix that. He said that to me in in a pre-draft interview. But 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 look at look at how the ball is protected yes. in that position. Yes, he gets hit like that. It's far less likely no doubt. to squirt out. And again, when it's time to throw it, it's it it is a quick release. It's yes. it's a deceptively quick release. The ball is out, so it doesn't matter whether it's front and center or up above one shoulder. It just looks a little funky. It does. It, it I'm looks with it's, you. it looks different. But maybe he's doing it right. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's it's a little bit like you know quarterback school one hundred and one. If I was going to have a young kid, you know that's the type of thing you do. Okay, two hands on the ball. Let's protect the football. And now that's how you learn to throw with your body and do those type of things and not make it all arm type throws. I think he'll learn this because he's got talent and he'll re- realize that you know he's got to relax a little and maybe throw balls sidearm and do those type of things. But the talent is real. You know, I keep coming back to like I think this is going to be the Dak Prescott of this draft everyone made up all these reasons of why he's not a first rounder and then he's going to get in an NFL game and everyone's going to go damn it looks like a first rounder to me just like what happened with Dak Prescott it's like the first game you were like oh it kind of looks the part I think Dallas is going to be okay with Tony Romo Um, so I love the talent I like the way he handles himself I think he really knows how to play the position Mike that's the other thing I like too one of the things that jumped out to me is he wasn't in a really great creative offense or didn't have first round receivers around them and they had some moments where they were ugly on offense during the year but the thing I liked about it is in those moments he wasn't like I'm frustrated my stats aren't good I'm gonna just start throwing lasers and throwing the ball into tight windows and we'll see what happens no he continued to play the game the right way and never lost any games for his teams that way in those tough moments. That's really showed me a lot of maturity for a young quarterback at Texas A&M. And he fits that offense there in Minnesota, Mike. That's what I'm really excited about, too. Well, you know, I've said it before. He can do the things that Kirk Cousins can't do, which is buy time if the play that's called goes to hell. Yeah. The question is, can he do the things that Cousins does when the play that's called doesn't go right. to hell because that's where Cousins is underappreciated. If everything Agreed. goes the way it's supposed to, he'll deliver the football to an open receiver and you'll score points and you'll win games. But but you always have 11 guys who are trying to stop you from doing the thing that you want to do and you got to have guys who can pivot when the defense wins the battle. Yeah. You need a guy who can still win the war. Yeah, that that's where his potential can improve. And it's where he already has more talent than Kirk Cousins that way. I mean, Kellen Mond's got the type of speed to, you know, get outside on a bootleg, oh, nobody's open, and go run for 50 yards up the sideline. I mean, that's he does have that. And then where he does also has, and these guys on that team are going to see, just like we go back to that throw with his personal workout, right? Hey, Kirk Cousins, really good. Hey, Kellen Mond, hey, he knows how to read a defense and deliver on the plays where the offense works and all that too. But they're going to see also go, wait, nobody was open, and did you see that freaking throw he made? Holy cow, nobody was open, and he did that. That's the other aspect he's going to bring. You know, Kirk Cousins has an underrated arm, but it's not is like it, it's not like this kid. This kid's got a special arm, like we saw in that pro day where he can go one way floating in the air and throw a ball 60 yards the other direction with his feet off the ground and also throw it 60, feet, 60 yards up in the air as well. He's got a cannon for an arm, and that's where it could be exciting for your Vikings offense with Thielen and Jefferson a few years down the road. 
when that question came up last week about the all-time great deep threats in NFL history and the Vikings posted the 10-minute clip of all of the Randy Moss 40-plus yard touchdowns, there's a chunk in the middle where there's a guy who wears number 11 who was firing rockets 20 years ago for the Vikings and Dante Culpepper. And, and, you know, that between the arm and the mobility, it's something the Vikings haven't had since Culpepper in the quarterback position. They haven't had both combined in one. They've had right. some of each, right. but they haven't had it combined the way they have it combined in Kalamon. So we'll see how it goes. Now, the next one, you could argue as surprising, if not more surprising, than Mond at 37. Marcus Mariota, the second overall pick back in 2015 comes in at 36. He took a huge pay cut to stay with the Raiders. He played well last year during a game where Derek Carr exited and came right. back pretty damn quickly when Marcus Mariota played well. Why do you have him as high as you do? Well, he missed, just missed out on the top 40 last year. I wasn't really sure what to think of him. And of course, he had been benched by Ryan, you know, for Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. It was a little underwhelming at the end with the Titans. I still have some of my concerns. I am going off a lot of that one game of what we saw last year, but I thought it was damn good. And he still has, I think the thing that I came back to too, then I like turned on film of him last week to write some notes on things that jump out to me about guys. He still has a great presence on the field and yes, he can get better at being a better consistent thrower. Even in that one game, he played good. But through like an interception towards the end in the fourth quarter where you just go, wait, you can't miss that throw and be an NFL starting quarterback. But either way, size, pretty good arm, and un you know, unflappable as far as the attitude or being affected by, you know, the game or anything like that. And the other thing I think that just, you know, jumped out to me from that game, I mean, the running's real. It's real. He puts pressure on a defense from that aspect of, yeah, where maybe we wish he threw the ball a little bit better and put a pressure on the defense that way, but the fact that he can look at one and two and tuck it and run down the sideline for a 40-yard gain puts a lot of pressure on the defense too. So, yeah, I, I, I like what I saw from Marcus Mariota in that one game, and I guess I'm also giving him a little bump because he's around a guy like John Gruden, and I know he's learned and, and polished his game a little bit under him a little bit. It'll be interesting to see what happens after this season. The contract expires. Carr's still the guy in Las Vegas. It's not like they're going to take Mariota over Carr. Right. But where does Mariota go? Does he get a chance to become a starter again yeah. with someone else? But uh, you have a lot of faith in him. We'll see if the rest of the league does when he becomes a free agent after the 2021 season ends. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, Mike, I mean, I think it's going to be maybe the possibility of almost like what we saw this year. I would think New England watched that game and went, damn, okay, wait, he's done some good things. He knows how to play the team game. We saw them do that in Tennessee. You know, they probably looked at it and go, wait, we could fix some of the passing issues and do all that. But we heard those rumors early on in the offseason season. You know, because I think that's where Marcus Mariota, if he wants to get back into quarter, starting quarterbackville, it's probably going to be a scenario like that. Hey, we're going to take you, give you a one-year flyer type of thing. Let's see what happens. And can he capitalize and, and show improvements in areas he needs to show improvement? So we'll see where that is. But again, I think there's a lot of things to like, and he's one of those borderline starting quarterback type talents, a la really awesome backup to have coming off the bench. And, you know, we, we talk about this from time to time as the draft approaches how much a guy's first NFL destination impacts his career. Do you find yourself wondering whether or not things would have gone differently for Marcus Mariota 
if he hadn't been taken by the Titans at the time that the Titans had what they had, the help around him, the coaching around him. I, 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 yeah, this gets back. This gets back to my get rid of the draft and let these guys pick their, their NFL spot because you are to a certain extent, a potential victim of where you end up. Uh, Yeah, you are. And you know, yeah, like you said, when he was there, it wasn't great wide receiver play. It still was about, you know, running the football and doing those type of things there. So I, I, I always think of things like that. Yes. You know, and of course, wasn't with, you know, any offenses, offensive geniuses early on in his career. Some good, you know, minds. We know that and everything like that. But yeah, I certainly think his career could have gone differently if he went with a top flight OC or something like that. But regardless of the situation, you know, the one thing he had in Tennessee that was an issue, he did some good things. We know that. Turnovers were an issue. Not just like interceptions. Remember, fumbles were an issue there too. So it was fumbles and turnovers and I think ultimately a little bit of a lack of aggressive mindset as a drop-back passer and just a little too much inconsistencies that has dropped him to backup quarterback build. That's really all it is, and uh, we'll see. That game this year, he was definitely a little bit more aggressive, and I thought he threw the ball as good as I've seen him throw it for the most part other than that one interception. You know, I, I got to give you credit for this because when the Titans traded for Ryan Tannehill two years ago, I kind of felt it, but you were adamant they're going to bench him. They're going to bench Mariota for Tannehill, and they did, and that was that for Thank Marcus Mariota. Thank you for giving we'll me credit. See. I if appreciate he gets that. His, it's, it's, I'll do it once a year. Okay. That's it. Don't All get, right. Don't see, get you. Greedy. see you next Let's year. Let's take a break. <laughs> we, we talked about Julio Jones making it clear he wants out of Atlanta. Chris mentioned he's a first battle of the Hall of Famer. Inspired by Jones, we're going to have a draft today of the active receivers that we believe will make it to Canton. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, Julio Jones will be playing for another team this year, most likely. He told Shannon Sharp yesterday on Undisputed, I'm out of there. Not quite sure that he knew he was on there, live <laughs> yeah, on the right. air when he said it. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we should we call this the Julio Jones Memorial Draft? Should we take him off the board I as mean, receivers who will make the Hall of Fame? I, 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 I'm okay with that if you want to. I mean, first off, let's, let's talk about that. I know I made that statement before as far as he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I, listen, you, you tell me, Mike. I, I, I view Julio Jones as as really one of the five greatest receivers in the history of football. I think I do. I was kind of thinking about this the last, like, 48 hours. I think he's right off the cusp of Terrell Owens and Randy Moss and, of course, Jerry Rice, those one, two, three right there. I, I certainly think you could make the argument Julio's four or five, whatever you want to say. You, you agree with that, or what do you think? I, I feel like numbers drive a lot of this. He's yeah. 20th all-time in receiving yards. He's still got more gas in the tank, and as we mentioned Yesterday, when we were drafting most impressive old man feats in the NFL, Jerry Rice was 33 when he generated over 1,800 receiving yards, which was the record from 1995 until Calvin Johnson broke it in 2012. So we've got to see what more he has to do. He's on track. He's yeah. on track. Right. But I still think he's got to, he's got to continue to pile up the numbers and play at a high level, and it wouldn't hurt to get a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, that's somewhere. right. All right, you got so let's let's 
we get let's leave him in the mix. Let's leave him in the mix. Okay, let's do that. Let's Fine. Not make it the Julio Jones Memorial Draft. You got a trivia question for me? Yeah, I got a question for you. And um, do you want to erase the question on there, Matt Casey, or do you want me to? Read? I'm not looking at it. I know, but he, he didn't even it. erase it. I can't see it. I can't even see it. So here we go. There we go. I don't know. He says he texted me in 1964, Alabama. Philip has your phone. Joe Namath threw four touchdown passes all season, as the Tide claimed a controversial national title despite losing their final game in the Orange Bowl to what team Joe Namath they lose the Orange Bowl win the national championship what team beat them Notre Dame nope nope sorry Texas fight Texas fight hook them horns baby hook them freaking okay. horns that's right listen what, what, what do you get what do you ask me Baseball trivia next? I thought the trivia was supposed to be football, NFL related. Uh, I don't come up with this. What are you? What are you talking? Man? What are you talking to me for? What you, you, I barely researched these drafts. You think I'm looking up for these Go questions ahead. now too? Okay. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to take the first. Pick. I'm taking Julio, Julio Jones. Jones. <laughs> yes, I Go am. Take him. Yeah, Julio Jones. You know, uh, again, I, I think he's one of the greatest to ever play. I really do. There's no, there's nothing about his game that's not awesome. Good route runner, size, 50-50 balls. Catch a slant, run 60 yards, throw a bomb 60 yards, touchdown. I mean, he can do everything. He's one of the greatest specimens to ever play the position. You know, every year he is a guy that, whoa, you're playing the Falcons. We got to double him. We got to have a plan for Julio, all those type of things. Uh, yes, I will take Julio Jones as my first pick. I will go with a guy who still has plenty more work to do, but he's done plenty of work in his seven NFL seasons, and he has something Julio Jones doesn't, which is a Super Bowl ring, although I don't think they've gotten them yet. Mike Evans, first guy to have seven straight 1,000-yard seasons to begin his career. That was a record setter. He's quiet. He's understated. He's overlooked at least was overlooked until yeah. last year when Tom Brady came to town right but I think when, when when it's all said and done for him it will be a no-brainer he's still got more work to do but I believe he will get there he's already had as good of a start as anyone just from a standpoint of consistency great performance being that guy that you want to double cover and he still gets his numbers Mike Evans my pick yeah I like that Mike I mean I I I didn't, you know, I don't think he gets put into that category quite enough, really. Uh, but there's there's a lot of special about his game. And you're right, I feel like it almost hurts him that he's, you know, he's an under-the-radar guy. He's not your typical loud, you know, flamboyant-type receiver. So that's where it's uh, a little different that way. But, yeah, damn, is he a good football player. No doubt about that. Good pick by you, really. Um, ooh, all right, well, I'm going to go Antonio Brown. Uh, Antonio Brown's next, my next pick. I mean, he's the wide receiver of the, the 10s or the teens or whatever the hell decade we just came from. What the hell you call that? The, 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 the 10s? I don't even know. But either way, he was the wide receiver of the decade. I don't know. Yeah, I but don't know. I, I, I agree. You know, right, okay. <laughs> I mean, either way, yeah, he was that guy. Uh, fantasy all you know, leader every week. But come on, Antonio Brown, Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, just like we talked about with – uh, a little bit like Julio Jones, maybe not the size, but the route running special, the ability to make people miss in space, you know, can beat you deep, can catch it short, still do those things. So Antonio Brown's as good a receiver as, as I've seen, that's for sure. Here's the question, though. Yeah. Does he get I know. dinged for 
the issues he created post Pittsburgh. Yeah. Because they're very, very clear that off-field issues are not a factor. They're not really off-field issues when they directly affect on-field performance, whether it's the frozen feet from two years ago, the stupid helmet thing, getting cut by the Raiders, just creating distractions and issues. And and it was the overlap. You know, when when the off-field stuff keeps you from playing, when you miss all of 2019 except for one game because you have this thing looming that the NFL may put you on paid leave for and you're not able to play, that affects your performance. It affects your production. And, yeah, I, I, I don't know. that It's one of the reasons why they make everyone wait five years for the good and the bad to subside so people can get a full look at the guy. But, you know, I, we said, I think before the Super Bowl, we did a draft of the guys whose Hall of Fame cases would most be boosted by a win. And I think Antonio Brown was one of my picks. So I, I just, it there's a, there's a lot that remains unwritten with him yeah, as it relates I, I to how the voters react to, to where his career went after 2018. I'm going to go Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. Wow. Um, If he's the greatest deep threat of all time, so they say. They tell me he's the greatest deep threat of all time. Randy Moss may object to that, but he's on track to become a Hall of Famer the way he's played his first five NFL seasons. Uh, He's only been in for five years. I know. I'm mad. I I was hoping you'd forget him. I thought you were going to take somebody else, really. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's it's on Hall of Fame trajectory. And it's not going to be maybe all about catches and yards. It's going to be about the pressure. It's going to be about the touchdowns. That's his worth. What's the the statistic that the guy gets the ball in his hands and scores 18 touchdowns every year? What does that mean to your team? That's where he's amazing. Now I'm stuck. I I really didn't think you were going to take him there, and I was (laughs) – Too bad. Now I'm on like Larry Fitz hasn't officially retired. Like, do I want to take Larry Fitz? Is that legal? I mean, I think we think he's retiring, but do you do you does that count, Matt Casey, commissioner of this draft? Because I could Damn go it. DK, I could go AJ Green, I could go DeAndre Hopkins, but I mean, I'll go with Larry Fitz. He hasn't retired yet. Is that okay? Am I good with that? Yeah, I was gonna do it if you didn't. So yeah, I, it's hard for me to say that you can't. Okay, I good. That, I, that makes me feel better. I'm definitely taking him then. Screw your pick. All right, good. Yes, I'm taking Larry Fitz. Great catch. You know, I mean, he's awesome. So there, there you go. Go ahead. Who's yours? Does Julian Edelman count? <laughs> I, no, I, I, I'll, I'll take DeAndre Hopkins since you're gonna leave him on the board. Yeah, I think he'll end up there by yeah. the time it's all said and done. He, he's still got plenty of chapters left in his book, but he's had a great career already. All right, let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. There's Mac Jones wearing number 50. I'm not sure that you can purchase that at NFLshop.com. <laughs> and 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 I know they've revolutionized the rules for jerseys, but I don't think they've gone that far yet. No. Number 50. That would be horrible. Look, I, I, is this Bill Belichick's way of reacting to the fact that don't they like not wear numbers at all and doesn't the NFL get mad at them for not wearing numbers at all during their their uh practices I I I remember some issue like that where they had no numbers at all I and it was a problem I remember that I I crazy I think you might be right or yeah I can't remember what it is either way there's a rhyme or reason for whatever he's doing there it's a red jersey so it's a quarterback jersey right it's not somebody other's position so obviously it was made. Maybe they're may, no. Maybe Bill's just trying to get everybody used to crazy numbers this year. Just block it out of your head. I'm Who still knows? waiting. I'm still waiting for emojis to show up on jerseys. That's it for today. We'll see you on Wednesday. See ya.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.